I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. Well, hello. Welcome to Jules Says. I'm Jules, Julie. Catherine and Bobby Kay and Violet and little Fred just went home this weekend. They were in Canada. Catherine did shows in Montreal, Ottawa, and Toronto. A whole lot of us came to see the show in Toronto. Uh, It looked pretty much sold out. A few of my friends who had tickets couldn't make it because they weren't well, unfortunately. It was a hot, hot day. We had some people back to the house. We kind of had to twist their arms to go outside, which, in retrospect, I feel might have been kind of mean, but I kept thinking, it's going to cool off, it's going to get breezy. One of the nice things was they were staying very close to our house, so I spent quite a bit of time with Violet and Fred. And Violet, she's a big girl now. She's a teenager, and she had the freedom to come and go as she pleased. She's old enough to be left on her own for a bit if she wants a time out from Fred. She's so good with Fred. It's actually unbelievable. Fred is very much the kind of person who doesn't just want anyone around. He's a year old now. I guess that's fairly common at that age. But, you know... I don't know how many 13-year-old girls would be so patient and engaged and attentive. I would think some of them might get sick of it after a while and walk away. Not Violet. She will feed him and hug him and play with him. She gets him to go to sleep, not just for naps, but for bedtime. She bathed him, put on his nappy for bed. I know. Catherine says he's toilet trained. What that means is he is trained to use the potty. He uses the potty without complaint all the time. But obviously he's a year old. He's not going, Mom, I need to use the loo. I I don't know what the hell that accent was. That is not what he sounds like. No, He he wears a nappy to bed. She would get him ready. She would put his jamblers on, soothe him and cuddle him. I would watch her in the monitor and it was really a thing of beauty. I pretty much had to do nothing. 
she was fantastic with him. And then she would come down and say to me, oh, grandmother, I just love him so much. And looking after him makes me love him even more. Which, I mean, isn't that sweet? I agree with her, by the way. I think that's why we love pets. I think that's why we love our own children. And I'm fully sure that if I had adopted children or become a step-parent of young children, I absolutely would have loved those children too. Because taking care of them is what makes you love them. She's great. But of course, I get thinking about how unfair people are to teens. Because a lot of teens are wonderful. When Joanne was visiting, she had a visit from one of the girls she knows from musical theater in Kelowna, who is now studying in Toronto. This little gal, 18 years old, she was 17 when she started school in Toronto. She came over one night for dinner. The two of them sang and played the piano. It was lovely. This girl is working very hard at school. When you speak to her, she sounds like uh, just a very solid, sensible young lady with her head on straight. Just an absolute delight. She's got a job here, so she's going to school and working. She's wonderful. And I know lots of other teens who are fantastic, industrious, hardworking. One of Abe's nephews works 60 hours a week. He has no problem doing it. He loves the money. But you know what? He's made the correlation between working and earning, and he appreciates money. He paid for his own car. He pays for his own phone. He's great. And if you listen to Catherine Ryan's podcast, of course you must, telling everybody everything. In one of the episodes, she talked about how difficult it was for her to book a venue for Violet's 13th birthday party. And I think it's so unfair that people trash teens. I've seen quotes, I need to look it up, even in the Socrates era, People were critical of children and teens and claiming they were getting worse even back then. It's kind of universal. And I know they go through challenges and sometimes they're surly to their parents. I know I was emotionally, I mean, I'm pretty stoic now, but as a teen, I was definitely, um, what's the word? I was definitely not, I wasn't a difficult young girl who behaved badly, but I was sad. I was emotionally, intensely sad. I, I wasn't a destructive person, but in many ways I was self-destructive. And I think that's also common, which makes me sad. I wish we understood why, and I wish we could do something about it. I'm going to bring Joanne in on this, because Joanne... Catherine's younger sister, my middle girl, is a teacher. She teaches children of all ages, including teens, and she interacts with teens as well in the context of musical theater and other things like that, as I did when my children were younger. I know it sounds creepy that I spent time with teens when my children were young, but when they took dance classes, I figured I'd give it a shot too. And there really weren't adult classes available. So I was in these senior dance classes with teens. And of course, the family's involvement with theater meant that I spent time with teens in shows, rehearsals, backstage, etc. And if it weren't for me getting to know these wonderful young people, I wouldn't have had a babysitter. I had Val for my daytime. 
for an evening out or something. I relied on teens to look after my children. Also, I hired teens for the summer. So I've had a lot of involvement with teens. And most of them have been absolutely wonderful. And they, for some reason, would often confide in me and talk to me. I was in a Marilyn Monroe contest when I was still in my 30s. And one of the girls was 17 years old. I think she ended up winning. And she said to me, I feel like my mother doesn't love me because she lets me do whatever I want and has done since I was about 13. She said this to me. Now, I guarantee you if her mom tried to control what she was doing, she'd probably be upset about that. So sometimes as a parent, you can't win. But I just assured her that, her, of course, her mother loves her. We all parent differently. And no doubt her mother not only trusted her, but probably wanted to be the cool mom who let her do things. Maybe her parents were overprotective and she was making up for that. My issue wasn't so much that I didn't trust my children. My issue was that I didn't trust everyone else. I was more concerned about the safety and the liability. But I'm sure to my children, I was just thwarting their fun, especially Carrie. But anyway, I'm going to talk to Joanne and get her perspective. Okay, hi, Joanne. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Good. How's your week been since you got back? Oh, it's been really good. Violet was just here. It just gets me thinking about some of the challenges teens have. And some other people were here and they were talking about some of their teens. And I did mention your friend who came to visit when you were visiting and how wonderful and productive she is. I mean, I think people are unfair. They give teens a bad rep and... They're not all destructive, and they're not all problematic. Now, you have taught teens. Will you be teaching teens again this September? I forget. Yes, they will be kind of little teens. They'll be sort of 12, 13, 14. But yeah, those are teens. Yeah, they are. And I feel bad for them because people sometimes are unfair. They want agency. Their friends are more important than anything at that age. And I'm sure sometimes the adults and society make them kind of feel like they're not wanted. You yeah, know, definitely. I just think it's awful. And I know some of them can behave in destructive ways or self-destructive ways. But in your experience as a teacher, do you think that's partly because they don't have free access or welcoming access to public spaces and activities? Well, yes, I think so. And it's not just public spaces and activities. Like when you say activities, it's not just soccer or something, you know, very tangible. But, you know, we're getting close to the school year starting again in September. So I know it seems far away, but we're getting close to Halloween. And even Halloween as a social construct, we've just excluded teens from Halloween. And there's sort of this common thing where people say, oh, well, you're too old to be trick-or-treating and they send the child away with nothing. And I think that's awful on so many levels because first of all, who are you to look a child up and down and decide how old they are? It might be a 10-year-old girl who just shot up to five foot six and might be feeling really self-conscious about her size and you've just pointed it out to her. I do have friends who have had their tall children told no 
on Halloween and they're little kids, right? But even the ones who are 14, 15, 17, they're still children. They still live at home. They still rely on the adults around them for so many things. So even though that's not a scheduled activity or a scheduled space for teens, why are we excluding teens from the the whole social idea that is Halloween? And then we act surprised if instead of just having a wholesome night out trick-or-treating in a costume, we act surprised if they decide to get drunk in one of their friend's basement or, you know, chuck toilet papers around the neighborhood or something like that, you know? So I feel like the adults are turning them away at the door and then at the same time acting surprised that they're not acting like children and not wanting to do childlike things and have fun. I've even had people say, well, I'm not answering the door to a teen because they they could hurt me. They're big. Um, that's like answering the door to a stranger. And it's like, okay, sure. But when there are multiple families out trick-or-treating and you, your door is like a revolving door constantly opening, I just don't get it. I agree. I think it's awful. I used to sometimes get, uh, when you guys were teens, some of Catherine's friends, some of the boys one day came by trick-or-treating. And they didn't have a costume on. Now, I did say to them, guys, you need to at least have a costume. Put in some effort. You have a mother. Go put on her dress or something. And then one of the guys came back with an empty beer box on his head. And I'm like, okay, fair enough. It's not a great costume, but you made an effort. So I gave them some candy. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because society is ever evolving because I would have agreed with you a hundred percent up until very recently. And I have friends who have, you know, agreed with that by saying, oh, of course, if they have a costume, they get candy. But now, you know, we have these children that are on the spectrum or have sensory issues and, you know, maybe, and I don't think this is the case of this particular boy that you brought up, but Maybe, you know, there's a young boy trick-or-treating and he is only comfortable in his green hoodie and wearing a costume would just not be possible for him. So now we're learning because we're always learning that, you know what, maybe if they don't have a costume, you still just say, oh, hi, and give them some candy. That's a good point. Well, that's it. That's a new point. I wouldn't have had this point on the table a year ago. It's, It's something, you know, that we're always just learning about different you know, different types of people. Yeah, we are always learning. And, you know, I think parents want to give their children agency gradually as they mature and can handle it. But of course, as a parent, and you're not a parent of a teen yet, but I certainly know when you girls were at that age, I was terrified because, and I understand parental fear, because I think the risk of derailing your life in that age range, is high. Mm -hmm. Dangerous driving, for example, drug use, alcohol abuse, pregnancy, just even depression. You don't know when they're that age, whether they're going to outgrow these things or whether a fork in the road and one really bad decision will send them down a dangerous path. But I think that parenting is a different issue from how society treats teens. You've known a lot of teens, not just from teaching, but also from your activities in theater and dance. And a lot of them are amazing, hardworking, and motivated. Oh, yeah. And even just um, my local grocery store is more or less run by teens. Oh, yes. People talk about teens 
in this way that paints them to be entitled, destructive, lazy, et cetera, et cetera. But meanwhile, if you look all around you, even if you're not a teacher, even if you're not a parent, just going to the grocery store and seeing the same kids and when you need help from them, hey, I, I can't seem to find this. And they go, oh yeah, here, follow me. It's, a, you know, so even just my experience with the teens that are basically running the show at my local grocery store, it just boggles my mind that people have this idea that, oh, they're a teen. So here's what I think about them or here's how they must be. Yeah, I hadn't even thought of that, the part-time workforce that we see out there. And you don't know what their stories are. Some of them may have to contribute to their households. Some of them may be saving for university or college. Some of them may just want extra money. But the fact that they're out there hustling and helping people and making the effort, I think, is fantastic. And, you know, I hesitate to blame parents because I've been a parent and our parents are human beings and we are all flawed. We try our best, but sometimes our best isn't great. And it absolutely takes a village because I think it's not just the parents. The bouncers in the bars need to be checking ID properly and making sure the young girls are safe, which they have not necessarily done in the past. And we need to stop shunning the teens and appreciate them for who they are. But, I mean, you must know some children that age who are struggling or who may be destructive, even self-destructive, even though they're the exception. Do you see a correlation with parenting styles? Because as a teacher, you must get to know the parents, too. Yes, I do see a correlation. And I think... The correlation is really when something is done or not done to an extreme. And so if if I can think of the minority of teens at my school who are really struggling, sometimes it is correlated to parenting and what's what the dynamic is at home. And it works both ways. What do you mean, though, by it works both ways? Well, when I say it works both ways, I mean, you know, when we're talking about being respectful to teens, giving them agency to shape them into better, more functional human beings, maybe some of those teens have too many responsibilities too fast. And I do have a handful of kids who are in charge of their younger siblings, who are maybe a little too in charge of their parents' emotions, who have had to maybe watch one or both of their parents go through depression or go through a divorce where, you know, the fighting isn't necessarily done subtly around the children. So you do see those teens who maybe get too much too soon. And then, yes, they are expected to contribute financially at home and they're expected to work way more than, you know, the average teen doing a part-time job for pocket money. So I see it from that angle. And then there's the other angle from the parent who maybe is too permissive and treats the teen too much like a little minion in their house and they're too rigid and they're not uh, letting them turn on the stove. They're not letting them do anything independently. They're not letting them make any decisions. So in my experience, if, if it's not a nice, holistic, happy medium, it will often be a recipe for more challenges. Yeah. And it is hard for parents to know. The overprotective parent is overcompensating, probably out of fear. Also, we don't have 14 children anymore, generally. If you had 14 children or 10 children or whatever, 
you would not be able to be a helicopter parent because you just wouldn't have the time. Mm-hmm. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And I also think that teens really care about fitting in. So... You might argue that, oh, in the olden days, people had to look after all their little siblings and that was normal. But I think there's a difference because then it was normal and they weren't feeling isolated like they were the only one in this position. It was just infinitely more common in certain and maybe still is in certain societies. It's human nature to accept things more readily if it feels normal. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And and that's just it too. I mean, if one girl was taking care of her younger siblings, but all of her peers were as well, then that would mean that she wasn't missing out on social time with them. Yes. It would have balanced out. They would all be getting that same amount. Yes. Then there's the overly strict where the teen feels stifled and then overly permissive. Mm -hmm. You mentioned overly permissive. Yeah. Well, yeah. Overly permissive where you know, I see parents who walk on eggshells around their children and think, oh, well, you know what? It'll be easier to just do this than upset my child. And their and their idea of parenting is I must keep my child happy at all times. Oh, yeah. And, you know, if you start doing that, what's the saying? Little kids, little problems, big kids, big problems. And of course, it's unrealistic for anyone to be happy at all times. And we do have to learn resilience. Yeah, even you know, my son, he he does not love swimming. He never really has. He's not a water baby, but it is something that I'm just gonna have to push and make obligatory for the foreseeable future because this isn't me uh hoping he becomes a medalist swimmer. This is me thinking, you know what, swimming is important for his safety. It's a life skill, it's a social skill, it will be part of his social life. He must do swimming lessons. There's there's no question. There's no you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, so it would be a lot easier to just say, oh, you don't like swimming? Okay, that's fine. And skating. Yeah, yeah, swimming and skating. He does not like ice skating. So here's the thing: Do I need him to play hockey? Of course, I don't need him to play hockey. If if he dislikes ice skating that much, that he's obviously never going to be a hockey player, then that's fine. However, I do want him to be able to be decent on skates again, because it could turn into a social skill, you know, by the time he's 11, 12, 13 and beyond. Well, certainly in Canada, that's an important social skill. Yeah. But I could be overly permissive and say, oh, he doesn't like it. Yeah. I get what you're saying. And you know what I did. Of course, you know what I did. I 
would let you sign up for things, but I made you finish the session if it was something that was optional. You don't have to sign up again. Well, except for piano. But that was because I really thought you were talented and I didn't want you to waste your talent. (laughs) And you remember, you must remember being a teen. It wasn't that long ago for you. You remember that I didn't even let you roll your eyes at me. I can remember you would be frustrated with me and you'd kind of roll your eyes and I'd say, don't you dare roll your eyes at me. And then I remember saying, and I don't know if you remember this, I sometimes used to say things like, if you want to complain about me, I get it. You do that behind my back with your friends. That's what your friends are for. To my face, respect. Do you remember that? Yep, absolutely. And you can be honest. How did you feel about that at the time? And do you feel any differently about it in hindsight? I I felt frustrated about it at the time because it, to me at the time, it felt like, I know I have to respect my mom. I'm not going to yell at her. I'm not going to tell her to shut up, call her a bitch. I I mean, I understand that that is a non-negotiable, but if I need to uh, heave a sigh or roll my eyes and have a conversation with her as two human beings, I, I think that for her to want me to completely lock up my emotions in the moment, especially knowing now, knowing where my brain and hormones would have been at that stage, I think was unreasonable. And then and I've learned now the relationship that we have with our kids in a lot of ways, we're training them up to go have an adult relationship. And so some of the, you know, so I don't think that approach really makes sense because um, in a partnership, if I was to get married, I should say to my spouse, this is really upsetting to me. I don't like this situation, yada, yada. As soon as you start just talking about your spouse to other people, like those are the people who they end up just leaving their spouses, you know, Hmm. um, instead of solving it at home. And so I find that there are certain ways that we punish or raise children that are in no way parallel to the relationships they will have as adults, like sending a kid into their room for a timeout and isolating them just because they're unhappy about something. Uh, If your spouse came home and they were like, I had such a bad day at work, you'd say, well, you go into your room and deal with that until you're ready to come downstairs and be pleasant with me. And I'm speaking very, in a way that's very black and white. But at the end of the day, I think that there could have been a way for me to, and like sigh and maybe say, I'm so frustrated. I don't think this is fair. And I think there would there could have been a way for us to have that exchange that was still meaningful and respectful. If I was slamming doors at you and yelling at you, I hate you, mom, uh, then no, that's not respectful. And I, I don't think that that should have been allowed. And this is, you know, going back to the whole everything in moderation. So is letting me stomp around, slam doors and raise my voice acceptable? No. But do we go all the way to the other end of the spectrum where I must completely contain myself and not even question you? Well, I don't really think that that's appropriate either. Well, see, that's interesting because I always also used to say, you can say anything to me as long as you say it respectfully. So in my mind, and you may have interpreted it differently at the time, you're allowed to say what you think, but you can't roll your eyes. Because to me, that's very disrespectful. I would not appreciate my partner rolling their eyes at me either. And then as far as the timeout goes, I think it needs to be not a yelling you're being punished. 
in my opinion, it's like, well, we can talk about this when you calm down. If my spouse came home and was so angry that he started throwing things around and trying to kick me or damage things, I would be very afraid. At some point, you need to learn, okay, that's not acceptable. You can walk away and calm down. And then when you're ready to talk about it relatively calmly, you can come back. So it isn't black and white. It's really hard to know where the sweet spot of the middle ground is. And of course, we we do need to communicate what we're feeling respectfully, but also sometimes, yeah, when you're angry, that is really hard. And I do think I made a lot of mistakes when you guys were growing up. Do I think I was the perfect parent? There are a lot of things I would go, oh, God, I should have done that differently. And maybe the eye rolling was one of them. Well, Tom. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't love the eye rolling. I feel like eye rolling is a gateway to saying, I hate you, mom, you're a bitch. That's well, kind of how I feel about that. Richard, my son, has gotten into the habit, but I, I nipped it in the butt quickly, of face palming, which I think is really disrespectful. So I don't know, maybe, maybe that is one thing that's more triggering to me where I'll say, well, no, 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 don't do that yet because you haven't cleared your plate and he'll face palm, which the face palm to me connotes this lady is an idiot. I can't believe she wants me to do this. Yeah. 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 Oh, oh, I think I'd have a problem with that too. Yeah. So he's not allowed to face palm. So Maybe I'm guilty of it too. Maybe that is triggering for me. He's kind of not allowed to roll his eyes or heave a sigh either. But I I react in a very placid way. Like I I won't say, don't you dare disrespect me, but I'll say, oh, you know what? That's really not nice. And if you did that to your teacher or to an adult taking care of you, that that would really hurt their feelings. Like I, I would just say it in a way of, you know what? We don't do that rather than don't you dare do that to me. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, he's not a teen yet, but we'll see where that goes. Because again, there's no right or wrong. You just have to navigate it as you go and try and figure out what works. And I just happen to have had a very difficult week with him for behavior. Uh, For him, anyway. Well, you saw, because we were visiting. So so can do I know what I'm doing? Not necessarily. I hope that I'm doing all the right things long term. But I think as long as we try to be patient and lead with empathy and love and admit when we're wrong, I think that's all we can do. Because again, we're human. And teens have figured out that their parents are human and that we're flawed. And I think that makes it harder for them to accept that these flawed people are trying to tell them what to do all the time. And of course, they have a very intense sense of justice. Yeah. And I think what I like to do with the teens that I work with at school is name their frustrations and acknowledge their frustrations. So I I teach mostly maths and sciences and not everybody really likes math. Not everybody gets math right away. I did not at that age. I had to mature into it. So I could just say, do your work, do your work and make them feel crappy about not being super awesome in math. But I find that when I acknowledge it, like if I say, hey, you know what, I know this module is a little bit boring to you or, you know, or say, oh, yeah, I know this isn't really fun for you or like I'll, I'll find some way of vocalizing and acknowledging and almost half agreeing with them. 
and say, but it'll be good if we just get this done, or it'll be good if you can at least master this and then it'll make the next thing easier and not as unpleasant. And I, I find with that approach, they're a lot more willing to go, oh, okay, well, I guess I'll, I'll put in the work, you know? Well, that makes sense because then at least they're feeling heard. Yeah. And we all want to feel heard. And that mm-hmm. kind of will open the door for compromise, I suppose. Yeah. And I also work at a really small school. So, I mean, statistically, I don't have as many children coming in and out of my life as someone who maybe works at, you know, a high school with a thousand kids. So I would imagine that those teachers have seen and heard more, so they might have different approaches. And and I've definitely worked with children who are super oppositional. Oh, how do you handle that? Oh, I don't really have an answer because it's different for every child, you know, uh, or teen, because they all have different reasons for being that way. And they all have different things that work for them and different things that absolutely do not work for them. So I don't really have an answer for that. I wish that I did. Yeah, but maybe your answer is that you make an effort to figure out what will work for individuals. Yeah, and just stay super calm. If a child or a teen is disrespectful and if I'm like, don't you talk to me that way, then they've sort of won. They've sort of won the moment. So I think I just stay really chill in the moment because you're not going to fix it in the moment. And then if there's a better moment with them, whether it's two days later or a half hour later, it's a lot easier to say, hey, remember uh, when that was going on last period? Yeah, we can't do that. So uh, what could we do to avoid this next time? Yada, yada, yada. But I think if that old school way that we all experienced our teachers were in the moment, the moment you slip up, if you get this big reaction. So obviously I don't have a, a very specific answer, but I think to just not be reactionary and just... Well, and and I also have other kids that I have to take care of. So I can't, it would be a great disservice to the other 20 something kids if I had to stop everything dead in my tracks to try and fix a bad moment with one kid. Absolutely. Like like you can't do that. Right. And they, they need you to have control over the class because most of them either want to learn or they don't want to be in a negative, uncomfortable situation or both. Right. Yeah. We all come across teens. Any parting advice or recommendations to make them feel like they're part of society and more welcome? That, that's just it. Just don't look at them and assume that they are these bratty teens. Like, and, and this is something that's been going on for centuries. We just automatically look at them and we don't give them the social space that they deserve. So look at them, smile at them, thank them when they're bagging your groceries. Yeah. Just don't give them the side eye because that's when you're going to get maybe a bad reaction or you're going to maybe, or maybe if that child is struggling and and making poor choices, them getting a side eye from everyone else around them will lower their view of themselves and make them think, yeah, I am, I am bad or I am. uh, (laughs) Or, or they might think like, if I have the name, I might as well have the game. Yeah. Exactly. You know, they're all just so different, but, but yeah, don't make those assumptions about them. It, it is unbelievable to me because at the end of the day, they're children. It is yeah. unbelievable that you will look at someone's child and either just because you think they're a teenager and they might not be, they might be 11 years old for all, you know, or you don't like their spiky hair, or you don't like that they've pierced something or that they're showing their midriff or whatever. Chill out, just let them be present with us. Yeah. And I, you know what? I actually think they're adorable. 
I think I was telling you about the teens who walk by my house after school, during the school year, and I hear them talking with their friends, and I look at them, and I just think they're adorable. They're just wonderful people. I mean, when I think of all the teens in my life, either I'm teaching them, or either they are serving me in a grocery store or a coffee shop or whatever, or they are caring for my child mm-hmm. when I'm not home. How in what world would I possibly look at them and have these automatic assumptions about them? It is just it blows my mind. Yeah. Well, thank you. I know you're busy. I better let you go. Okay. And before I, I don't want you to um post me saying this because it'll be better if you have the full quote, but Google Aristotle on teenagers. And there's a quote from Aristotle of him being like, oh, young people these days. And it just goes to show that because, because a lot of people's arguments are, oh, well, they're getting worse. Oh, the kids are getting worse. Like, oh, because of TikTok, they're worse. It's like, they're not worse. No. Society is is getting more challenging in some ways, better in some ways, but more challenging in some ways. Yeah. Or it's just different and ever evolving. Completely different. no No one has gotten worse, but you should find that Aristotle quote. It's very easy to find. Yeah. I, I was thinking it was Socrates, but I will look for it because I had it intended. Be, it, it's either Aristotle or Socrates. Yeah. Okay. It, I think it actually might be Socrates, but I, yeah, I will let you go. We got to get to Snastics. Yes. Go to Jim Snastics. Okay. Love you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. We'll talk soon. Bye. Okay. I Googled what Aristotle and Socrates said about teens and they both said terrible things. Aristotle, they, young people, have exalted notions because they have not been humbled by life or learned its necessary limitations. Moreover, their hopeful disposition makes them think themselves equal to great things. Thank God they think themselves equal to great things. That was me, not Aristotle. He goes on and on. These are kind of long. Their lives are regulated more by moral feeling than by reasoning. All their mistakes are in the direction of doing things excessively and vehemently. They overdo everything. They love too much, hate too much. And the same with everything else. Well, that's part of their charm. I love that young people are so exuberant. I think it's a shame that old people lose some of that. Maybe we'd continue to aspire to great things and not be so jaded. Okay, what did Socrates say about teens? Well, he said it about children, but that includes teens. They have bad manners, contempt for authority. They show disrespect for elders and love chatter in place of exercise. (laughs) And they didn't even have iPhones back then. They no longer rise when elders enter the room. They contradict their parents and tyrannize their teachers. Children are now tyrants. Well, I love them. We need to be a lot nicer to them, share the world with them more generously, and just love them. Thank you for listening. Please rate, review, share. If you have anything you'd like to share with me or ask me, email me at jewelsays at gmail.com. And have a wonderful week. you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment 
Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.